Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Link Stories. I'm your host, Malini, and my background is in education, and I've been on a journey of learning about well-being for as long as I can remember. This podcast brings you a range of interviewed stories based on the concept of the six pillars or dimensions related to well-being, and they are social, emotional, work and finance, physical, spiritual, and knowledge. Each week, I invite a guest to share a particular story or information linked to one of the dimensions or pillars of well-being. Please leave a review on Apple and do get in touch on linkstories@mail.com. Listen out for my interviews on a Wellbeing Wednesday or Feel Good Friday. Many thanks. relates to the social, occupational and resource pillars of well-being. I caught up with a really interesting change maker, Kiva Devani, whose area of expertise is corporate social responsibility and renewable energy. Akiva is able to make a real impact on lives of those communities who live with energy deprivation and that has a knock-on effect on all areas of well-being and life. She is in a position to evaluate the additional needs of those communities and support them through ethical initiatives that make a positive impact. I hope you enjoy this episode. Akiva, your environmental and social manager for a private equity company, Berkeley Energy, and you have the most amazing role. You make real positive social impact on less fortunate communities. So it's quite unique, I think, and not a lot of people in this particular role, and um, because it's within a financial institution, but it is definitely something that is out there and it's definitely growing. So more and more financial institutions will have roles like mine. What sort of renewable energy projects do you tend to work on? We really focus on all sorts of renewable energy, but um, hydro is hydropower. We have a lot of hydropower projects in our um, portfolio, as well as solar. There's wind, geothermal, biomass. So, you know, all of these projects are contributing some way or another to climate change and you know sustainable livelihood or for for that country we, we are providing the energy to the government and through the development project so at in each project that we develop we ensure or we try to ensure that we give back to the community and sometimes that's um, providing the energy directly to the community or we do other um, developmental um, activities such as scholarships for, for girls, training women in sustainable farming practices. Um, we also try to visit um, through, you know, through the team that we have. I'm not necessarily directly doing um, these activities, but through the team that we have, we are trying to make people aware of renewable energy and, and climate change at schools. So there's quite a bit going on um, right now through these projects. What does the consistent access of energy do for communities? How can it be transformational? Uh, it can be very transformational. I can give you an example. So we had a project 
in India. And what we decided to do is there was an orphanage close by to this, to one of our projects. And we tried to help this orphanage by providing, um, a, you know, a way for them to access energy. And so we donated some solar panels. And so they were able to have reliable source of energy. And through this, you know, it's amazing. These kids are amazing. You know, through this, the, the, the children, these orphanage or um, orphans were able to study at night, you know, something that we may take for granted, but they were able to study at night. They were able to have a computer on their um, site. They were able to refrigerate stuff um, so that, you, you know, it's healthier, healthier food, um, food that is, um, doesn't have the bacteria in it because it's left out in the heat. So there's, you know, and these people really appreciate it. And it, it, it might be a small thing for my organization to do, but it really impacts the community. Imagine about a hundred or so um, orphans that have even, you know, either been left by their parents because they can't take care of them or their parents um, have passed away. And in that area that we work in, there are lots of suicides because farmers aren't able to, you know, grow enough food for the family. And so this really helped um, that that orphanage. That's a really phenomenal contribution. I mean, it really reminds me of um, the boy that harnessed the wind, the film movie, because yes. I remember in that film he struggles to study and he has to use all these old they go around looking for old batteries in the landfill sites so that they can have a little bit of electricity to be able to watch or listen to something on the radio or you know just complete a little bit of schoolwork. Yeah. and it just makes you realize how much we take energy and electricity for granted when you hear those sorts of stories yeah are you able to share any other work that you've done yeah i mean um as I said, I'm not I'm not necessarily directly working in these uh, projects, but um, I was part of this project um, in the beginning where we have a hydropower project in Uganda, and you know we are developing this project in a very rural area, and and you have to remember Uganda was um, impacted some time ago um, by the civil war that occurred. And so they're very poor, they do need, uh, they do depend on agriculture and I visited that community and these are just regular people that just want the same thing as everybody wants, you know, they want to have secure food for their family, they want their children to be educated um, and they're very, you know, very nice people. And one of the programs that we developed there was a scholarship for young girls. And how we did this, we used, we have, I mean, obviously it takes a team to develop um, such projects, you know, right down to the person that are, that's um, identifying these girls. And so what we wanted to focus on are vulnerable girls, the girls who are from a very poor family or, you know, had to get married early or something like that, but they were considered vulnerable um, through, you know, various standards. And we worked alongside a, the, the, the village head and the schools in, the na in, in that area and identified a set of girls, a, quite a number of girls. And we are um, 
helping them to go through high school basically and so we um we pay for their schooling and we provide uniforms and and books and pencils and things like that and we also you know work with the parents and we talk to the parents on how they're doing and we encourage them to keep up their grades and you know and we're continuing this uh scholarship program even today you know we, this was started some two years back a year or two years back and it is quite successful and you know we're seeing the girl they, they, and they do appreciate it so much uh we've gotten letters you know expressing their appreciation you, you know sometimes they don't they're sometimes they're forgotten vulnerable people are just forgotten and just something as small as this really yeah. impacts them in a positive way yeah that's extraordinary the level of impact you can make on these communities and you know with this being um one of the pillars or dimensions of well-being social responsibility you're really improving the overall well-being of a large community of people does that help you in any way on a personal level i mean there's a lot of satisfaction to be gained from that does that contribute to your own well-being ah uh, definitely i mean just knowing that i am doing something to help others i i, I think anybody would feel good about that to to be able to help others and you know i try to try to pass this down on to other young girls and men working in this field coming up and trying to show them um you know that they can also get into a field similar like this and and you know uh work within this field and and help others and so that that just makes me feel very good basically mm-hmm. knowing that i can do something that is impacting the world and not just you know yeah. making a salary uh, and that's that's it yeah so it does feel good and how does your journey into this line of work begin how did it all come about well i think it started when i was around 16 uh, I'm, i'm from jamaica and I, um i think one of my teachers um I don't know probably mention I think we're doing geography and she mentioned that Los Angeles used more electricity than India and another country put together Gosh. and that just amazed me you know that just stuck to me even today that that could happen and so that's how I got interested in you know sustainability and environment and then moved on I I moved on to do engineering and then after that uh, a masters in environmental and energy management and you know just by luck i got into this field uh, it wasn't necessarily looking to work within a financial institution but i'm happy it worked out this way and then after you know worked in holland for a little or while about 7 year 5 years and then ended up in singapore so And you've also as I understand you also had some experience working out with communities in Laos as well. I spent 4 months in Laos as a resettlement specialist for a hydropower project there um while I was at my previous um company and I was there as as, as a secondment and that was pretty interesting. I I, I think that I you know but my world was America 
and Europe and working in Laos just opened my eyes to, to something else, um, to Asia and, you know, people within Asia and just realizing, you know, after working basically on all continents, South America, Africa, Asia, that everyone has similarities in some way. Yeah. Um, you can find some connection in some way. And then, so I was working with the Hmong people in Laos and yes. help, you know, they had to, um, it was a resettlement because it was a hydropower project. And, and while you, you're, you know, to be able to um, develop a resettlement plan, you have to kind of get to know pe- the people that you're, working with very well so the people who are gonna resettle so what are how you know how do they make money how what's their religion what 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 sort of illness illness do they get you know what is what are the things that they want and that they need what are the gaps in their you know their livelihood so i got to know them very well in developing this plan and um you know, I was out there while they were working on their rice farm and seeing how they worked. And these people work very, very hard. I have to tell you, you know, it's not an easy job going out there to plant rice yeah. and to sell it so that you you can feed your family. Yeah. Um, so I remember going on a trekking holiday to um, Laos many years ago now. And they live such a simple life in these beautiful, yeah. lush, green villages, very simple houses, really rich culture, really unique. Um, and I remember a little boy, must have been about eight years old or something, and he coming back with like a, it looked like a crocodile, but it may have just been a really large fish on his back, he was just carrying it. <laughs> um, <laughs> as food and he'd literally caught it and he was just <laughs> bringing it back to his family and it just made you see what a simple existence that they have it's quite you know hand-to-mouth yeah. way of living that's that's so true but they're so they're friendly and they're happy you know mm. it, it's amazing that um you have people here that that has a lot more and and they're very depressed and uh, but these people have very little and they're still happy and they still, you know, can can laugh. And they were very kind to me when I was there. They were very interested in me because they hadn't seen someone like me. Mm. And so they wanted to touch my hair and, <laughs> and ask me questions. And the little kids wanted to talk to me. Um, but I, they were very nice to me. I enjoyed it. So you really forged a relationship um, whilst you were staying with them? Yeah, I mean, getting to know a, another culture, you know, some a, a culture that's very different from mine, but still very important and a very ancient culture as well. Mm. What do you think, having, you know, lived with different tribes, different communities, worked with different communities, what essentially underpins people's well-being? do you think it's simple things as i mentioned before ensuring your family has food ensuring your family is educated if you can achieve these simple things i think they are happy and even for us now you know know, i i have a family and i want my child to to go to a good school i want to ensure that he eats it's the same things i'm thinking about maybe on a different level you know different um 
you know we have different backgrounds or something like that but it's fundamentally we all want the same things we strive for the basic needs yes Yes, we uh, do. I mean, and sometimes you want more if you can afford more, but at least for basic things. If if you can't put food on the table, if you can't educate your children, I think that's gonna set you back and that's gonna make you worry. Mm. And what about community? Do these people they might be living in rural communities, but they have do, do they have a strong sense of community amongst them? lots of interaction definitely and they wouldn't survive without that um, strong community um, and 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 interaction you know they, they, they couldn't survive because they need each other you know in in working the farm they, they do need help the children looking after the children um, coming together as a group and talking about things that um, they you know whatever they're thinking about a lot of times you you know see women sitting together or men sitting together talking and laughing obviously i don't know what they're talking about because it's mm. in a different language but they're still you know communicating and mm. they tend to have a you know you know this village way of living with the chief and 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 anything that's um, affecting the community it has to be discussed with the community you know so a lot of times it's it's people sitting together under a community hall or something and and explaining things and 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 talking to them and them asking questions uh, community is very important and do you think with them having greater access to electricity this will lead them down a path of technology than they do than they than their ancestors have done and do you think that could have repercussions or could it be a positive for these communities yeah i mean everything has the positive aspects but also the negative aspects so i mean positive aspect you know that's where the world is going we're using more technology to further ourselves and if they want to be able to move with the world they would have to understand these technologies as well and you need electricity for that uh, that's simple being able to understand what's going on in the world being able to be educated because you need electricity to study at certain times of of the day and night um yeah. and things like that but it also means as the young ones learn more about say, the outside world they tend to leave home and so their culture sometimes get left gets left behind and so you you know eventually your that culture will die out because as more and more people are educated and they learn more about the world they want to venture out to the cities or venture out and and understand that so it's just you know there are positives and negatives so of course yeah yes makes a lot of sense akiva it's been really really great in an interesting speaking to you today thank you so much for joining me and all the best with everything thank you yeah so i work with uh, berkeley energy and it's a private equity firm that uh, builds renewable energy across africa and asia and we focus on small to medium uh, projects and in doing that you also have to ensure that you meet um, ethical standards and that's where i come in i ensure that my organization understands you know what are some of the rules out there and the international 
ethical standards.